Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. Jay has started a Messianic congregations and he has performed weddings. After a successful business career, he is now a chaplain. He and his wife, Michelle, are also Havara leaders. So let's give a warm Bethelel welcome to Mishpucha, Jay Fielding. Hello, Shabbat Shalom. What I've done for your benefit is I created a timer, two hours and 30 minutes, so I won't go over. Oh, that's, uh, sorry, that's not right. But got to start by thanking Rabbi Kevin for this opportunity and just sharing the fact that I am very honored to have a chance to talk to my mishpaka and the guests here and over the internet. Um, this is my first time actually sharing a message at Beth Hillel, even though I've been here 20 years. So it's a very important night for me, and I hope it'll be meaningful to all of us. But it's a very important message on the Ten Commandments and to understand whether or not it is really having relevance today to our world and to our believers. Is it something that we're supposed to retire and be obsolete, as many have said, or is it something that is very vital to us as the law of God? And so there are things that came about to start this message. A pastor who I mentored under when I first became a believer, not as a messianic, but as a Jewish believer who needed to be forgiven of my sins, to have a fresh start, to do the same things that every believer needs. We need that personal relationship with God, and that only comes through accepting the righteousness of Messiah who gave his life for all of us on the cross and then um, came back to earth to show that he was, in fact, God with us and that we could believe in him and have a new righteousness. But to many who believe that, they also believe now that since that time on the cross, when Yeshua came back, he nailed to the cross all the Torah and Ten Commandments, and it was done away with. And we'll look at a quote in just a minute. But I was remembering something very um, funny talking about the Ten Commandments. I don't know if you remember seeing Mel Brooks, and um, in one of his movies, he was coming down from the Mount Sinai with three tablets, and he was going, Israel, I give to you the 15. And he drops one of the tablets, it breaks, and he goes, the Ten Commandments. And 
really, did you ever wonder which five that he broke? Which ones do we not need? So when Moses went and got the Ten Commandments, I don't know if you recall this, but it was called the Decalogue, the Ten Words. And it's actually you, the God of Israel spoke from Mount Sinai to all of Israel and gave the Ten Commandments and they heard it. So God spoke to them, but then they had such fear that they asked Moses to intervene, which is later why we have a prophet named Yeshua who we look at, is God knew that we wanted somebody like us to communicate him to us. And when he was up there, he came down, remember the golden calf and they were going crazy and partying and all that. And he broke them. He was incensed that in 40 days that he had been up there, they had totally forgotten the Lord God and the tent plagues and the parting of the Red Sea and the manna and everything that he had done for them. But then he went back up and God used his finger and he wrote again on those new tablets. So God had a perfect opportunity then to slice and dice to five commandments. It's kind of heavy, 10 commandments, 15 commandments. You know what I'm saying? But he wrote it twice. It was important enough to put it in stone and then later carry it with them in the ark. So it's not a small thing to say, well, when Yeshua came, he said, no more, we don't need these anymore. So let's look at the next slide. We'll take a look at that, what that um, renowned pastor said. And again, I want you to know this is not to be critical of him because he changed my life and gave me so much. But maybe now he can find this and come back to the truth and he could learn from me. I hope so. He said, starting with the Ten Commandments, then the law... All the rules of the Old Testament are obsolete, retired as Jesus nailed them to the cross at his resurrection. And he said the Ten Commandments played a significant role in God's creation of the nation of Israel. It gave them moral guidelines and helped separate this new nation from their neighbors. This was part of the formal agreement or covenant God created with his people. But Jesus' death and resurrection signaled the end of that covenant and all the rules and regulations associated with it. The new covenant replaced the old one. The covenant established by Jesus retired the covenant of God established with the nation of Israel. Now, if you're in a world and you're listening to this very prestigious pastor, you might think that we could go out and murder because that's now obsoleted, right? I mean, it, we don't, we just will learn that what he wants us to believe is just that loving your neighbor is enough of a training program for the people of this world to know how to live correctly with God. And I think we're going to see that these Ten Commandments that are on the right side, when we get to talk to them a little bit more, that these are eternal truths that God wants all of us to love and appreciate, and we're going to understand why. The problem is, is that someone is saying that what we believe, a Shabbat worship and all the things that we do here is pretty much obsolete. But what I'm going to say is that how we view the Bible is often 
has to do with the worldview that we come in with. In the business world, Stephen Covey wrote this book that was about the best habits of successful people. And one of them, he said, is that people need to make a paradigm shift, that a lot of times they think they understood the right way to look at a situation. For instance, if they saw a prisoner in a prison guard and they saw a fight between another prisoner and guard, they would see that totally different. We have the Arabs and we have Israel, and they can't seem to agree over centuries of time. So you see the same thing. It's They're coming from a different viewpoint. So the Jewish viewpoint leaves out the New Testament. It's been a veil over their mind that they don't see a need because they have traditional Judaism. They have the Torah and the laws. Why do they need Messiah? Why do they need forgiveness of sins? Why do they need to accept the resurrection? But then we have the traditional church and pastors looking at the world only through the new covenant, the New Testament. And it says here, in the past, in Galatians, we had broken the law many ways. Those sins were held against us by the law, but now he has destroyed that writing by nailing it to the tree. So we have two different viewpoints, but let's take a look at a third viewpoint. Let's go to the next one, and we'll see that there's also a worldview that doesn't really look at the Bible as being the Word of God. I live with family and don't believe the Bible is the Word of God. Those that may follow traditional Jewish concepts because of the culture of Judaism, dedicated Jewish people. But we also have family that don't believe that the Bible is the Word of God, and they have their own faith, their uh, faith born on um, the Buddhist philosophy. And many of you know people just like that. Well, in our world, Satan, what he does is he blinds us to the truth by putting himself in front of the Word of God. And so people look at the world through the world and then judge what's good and bad. In other words, if we have, uh, we don't have to worry about adultery. We don't have to worry about uh, murder. We, I watch crime shows all the time. That's my little, uh, that's my Star Trek is I'm in Forensic Files. And I will tell you that people kill over $50. They want a, a, some insurance policy, and the life of their spouse is not worthy. So the God of the Old Covenant is a God of vengeance. He's not the same as loving Jesus. There, so there's all these different ways that Satan gives to the mind of people to not look at the truth of the Word. So now we're going to move forward again. And what we're going to see is now I want us to understand, and that is to look at the Bible through God's eyes, not our own eyes and judge whether or not we agree with what the Bible says, but we start with faith that the Bible is the Word of God and that what he says is true and that what he says is going to happen is true. And we start with that philosophy. He's writing a book to humankind. He's divine, and he built this entire world. And the first words were, in the beginning, God created the heaven and earth. It tells you something. So did we create the world or God? Is Yeshua different than the God of creation? Is that why 
we don't need the Torah, you know, the Torah, though we don't need the Ten Commandments because Yeshua isn't the same God. He's a different God that he's a better God. He gave a better life through the the, the nations, and we don't need Israel now. Is that true? So let's go to the next slide and further this. So I believe that I've been able to teach on all 613 mitzvahs in the past, and each one of them has relevance to us today in our own lives. We just have to understand what was it that God did this, the tabernacle, how was it set up? How was, um, the, the, what were the feasts about? What were the different sacrifices about? So if we take this worldview, then what we see here in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, instruction, and righteousness. So that tells us what we want to know. I mean, that's in the New Covenant. It's Paul. It's after the resurrection. And here in Timothy, um, Paul is telling him that the Bible, which is the scriptures, right? We didn't have the New Testament at that time. We might have had some of the letters, which were considered scriptures already. But he's talking about the Torah. They're all inspiration of God and all profitable. So in the New Covenant, we have a new, we do have changes. We have one God, the God of Israel. One Bible, Genesis now to Revelation, not just the Torah, but the understanding of the writings and the gospels and the word of Yeshua himself. We have one gospel, salvation through faith, not through following the law. So we're gonna understand a little while what those 10 commandments mean to us today but we need to understand that we do have a salvation by faith. And one new man, we're all of us, whether we're in the nations or we're from Israel, we're from New York City or any part, we all have one new man. We're all part of the same kingdom, but there's freedom within God's place, right? When he gave us the garden, he said, you could eat of all the trees in the garden. So there's a lot of choices, subdue the earth. Some people are going to be fishermen. Some people were going to plant trees. Some people are going to be scientists. Some people are going to be there. God created a world where we have choices, but now he's uniting us. So let's go to the next thing here and look at Yeshua and see if what I'm saying is what Yeshua himself said. So I want to show you something that I think is an epiphany to me. In Luke 24, Yeshua said to them, and this is when he's resurrected. He's now walking with some of his disciples. They don't recognize him for who he is, but they sit down and break bed. And he says to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter the glory? And beginning with Moses... And all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. He opened up all the scriptures to be about himself. And he revealed and took the veil off the Torah and the Ten Commandments and explained how they related to him. The whole Torah, Tanakh, prophets, Proverbs, all of it, this Esther 
Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? That's how we're supposed to look at the Torah, the Ten Commandments. We're supposed to look at the Tanakh and all the rules and regulations with a great joy, an understanding that God himself delivered us to a Messiah that would help reveal the truth to us. It's a beautiful thing that we have that we're going to find out that the law is not to oppress us, but to make us a family and to learn and to be part of the kingdom of Yeshua, the kingdom of God. In Isaiah 43, I am the Lord, and apart from me, there is no Savior. Yeshua was God. That's clear. If he's the Messiah, then he was God. I have revealed and saved and proclaimed. I am not some foreign God among you. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, that I am God. Yes, and from the ancient days, I am he. No one can deliver out of my hand when I act who can reverse it. Okay, so let's move on further here. Oh, I forgot to start my little timer there, so we have no idea. We got to start over. We've got to re-begin here. So we can look at the Sabbath and say something. Is Sabbath something that is important to our generation? If I'm a church goer, if I'm in high school, how different might my life be if my family got together before I went to the Friday games and prayed to remember the Sabbath as being holy and to praise his children and ask them to live holy lives when they go out. Could families be tighter and together if a husband and wife lit the Sabbath candles? I believe so. So when we look at the Ten Commandments, they are broken down in the way that the people of the New Testament want us to learn. See, for instance, in Galatians, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping the one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But loving your neighbor as yourself doesn't really tell you anything because we all disagree on everything. We live in a world where no one agrees on anything. So God needed to spell that out a little bit more clearly. In Romans 13:9, the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal. So here it is in the New Covenant, he's reciting the Ten Commandments. And whatever other command there may be are summed up in the one, love your neighbor as yourself. And Ephesians, the same thing. Obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. It's clearly stating that honor your mother and father is a viable commandment in the new covenant. It's clear. We may have a debate on Sabbath, but we'll talk about, we've talked about that a little bit. But is the seventh day Sabbath the same as the eighth day Lord's Day? That doesn't negate that we remember the Sabbath and keep it holy because God worked for six days, and on the seventh day he rested, and during creation he blessed that day because he wants us to know that he created the heaven and earth. Remember the Sabbath day. 
honor thy mother and thy father so it'll go well with you. Because if God created you physically through the breath of his life, but he gave you the biology through your parents, he wants you to honor your parents because maybe they're sinners. Maybe they haven't come to know the Lord. But when you honor them, you tell them, I found Yeshua. I've been forgiven of my sins. I love you, mom and dad. No matter what you've done, I forgive you and I wish you a good life. That's what we're supposed to do. That saved my family. I heard Rabbi E teach that. I was just about to give up my parents forever. They were so mean to Michelle and I when we got married. It was very intense for many, many years. But I was just about to give up when Rabbi E taught that. And I went out right from that lesson and told my parents I loved them on the phone, told my dad I respected him, loved him, and that I wish I had been a better son. And that changed my entire family life. When my parents died, our family was so close and loving. It completely healed them. Not me, but Yeshua's love coming through me to them. The love of God comes through us because we obey the commandments, because they teach us how to love. Thou shalt not covet something you want from your brother or sister. You see what I'm saying? It's um, choice. So, we're just going to do a couple of more scriptures. We've been going very well here, and um, I want to show a little bit more that Yeshua believed what I believe, and I believe what he said. So if we go to the next scripture, we'll see an epiphany scripture. In John 3, 14, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Now, if that doesn't spell out the value of Torah, when Yeshua himself is helping to understand that Israel's experience is explaining a believer's experience, their types. God is so amazing that the story of Noah, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are all about the Bible truth but yet these people really lived. But through his word, where he reveals to us these truths, so we don't have to make the same mistakes, but we could do the same things that happened well. We could be King David and have a heart for God. Jonathan was an example of a believer. See, his father Saul was king, and he had an opportunity to negate David, to kill David, and become the king himself. But he felt that David had been anointed by the Lord, and he said, okay, not my kingdom, David, but your kingdom. He put himself down. That's what believers do. We give up the right to be our own gods and make decisions like was made in the garden to disobey God and eat from the tree of knowledge so we would be like God and know good and evil for ourselves. And we say, no, I want God to tell me right and wrong. I want to know from him that I shouldn't steal. As a young person, I grew up, luckily that led me to Messiah, but I was a thief. I did almost everything on that list. I was pretty much ready to be shift away forever when I was 14 or something. Even Paul, the person they usually rely on for why we don't need the Bible, talks about all the great 
people of faith in Hebrews 11. Enoch and Abel and Noah, they weren't Jews. The Torah is not about Jews. It's about humanity. Israel is a separation from humanity to teach us what he wants us, what God wants us to know. Noah saved the world through his righteous family, but he wasn't a Jew. But then Abraham was, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, and then Rahab and Ruth on the line of Messiah were women from the Gentile community, but they became believers and people of great faith by taking the God of Israel and becoming believers in the God of Israel, not bringing their pagan ways in. And that's what our church family needs to do. They need to be like Ruth. They need to look at the kinsman redeemer, which is Yeshua, or type for Yeshua. And they need to say, your God will be my God, Naomi. Your God will be my God, and don't urge me to leave you. We need the pastor I spoke about to love Israel and to undo what he said. I just want to go two more slides, and then we'll, we'll sum up here, because I know everybody has got things to do. Yeah, I know you want to go back and watch this again. So all the law and prophets guide us to Yeshua for salvation. And it says in Galatians 3.24, Therefore, Torah became our guardian to lead us to Messiah. What if we haven't accepted Messiah, but we're, or we're in the world? What about those people? You see, the Ten Commandments are not just for good Christian believers because... We hope that they will have embraced those laws as part of their faith in Yeshua. But the Ten Commandments stand out to be a litmus test to the whole world to convict them of sin, to let people know. And that's why they should be on our courthouse doors or a facsimile of them may be taken out of the religion because we still need to teach those values to all people in the court that, it, you know, we have a world that's based on Torah anyway, but they've taken those things out. But the feasts are all about regaining the presence of God in the garden. See, the garden was the key. Okay, so now we're just going to touch on a few things of the heart to summarize this. See, God is not about the letter of the law and making everybody do this, do that, do that. It was about God wants a family to love and love him. And something happened that corrupted his ability. Because when you go back to Genesis and read it, you see that he took painstaking care to go step by step with purpose to give us light, to give us darkness in the day and night, to give us stars for beauty and for the seasons, to give us trees, to give us animals of all different types. See, God wanted a family. And in that family, then he planted a garden and put Adam and Eve there. And so if we go to the next slide, the planting by God of the garden even showed the personal loving nature of God as even after original sin, God walked in the cool of the garden to talk with Adam and Eve. Go back and look at that scripture. It's kind of way out there. You know, it's like they just sin. You're expecting an angry God. This is the God of Israel, the God of war, the God of vengeance. And where is he? He's in the garden that he planted. 
He's in the nursery, you might say, for Adam and Eve and saying, okay, where are you? Where, where are you? And what did they do? They hid from God due to fear and shame. So that's the reason why we were expelled from the garden is because God had to teach us how to get back to the garden. The whole Bible from beginning to end is getting back to the garden of Eden, to getting back to that tree of life, getting back to that state where we're walking with God in the garden. It's not about the laws. We gave that to us to teach us what holiness is so a holy God could live with us and we can make a decision do we want to be holy? Do we want to be in God's family or not? Or do we want to be with Hasatan and the devils that decided not to be part of God's family? So in the next slide, when God created the universe, it was given to humankind as a gift, as a parent to their children. And that's the same thing with the seventh day. Sabbath wasn't given so your kids can't play baseball and that you have to, oh, I got to go to shul. I really want to watch football and do all that because God knows we want to do those things. But he wants you to know that he loved you and gave you these laws to be a blessing. So I guess we'll look, the next slide is our final slide. No, two slides. God gave humanity free will and a choice to love him and obey him as a father, creator, friend, and guide. There was no law against the tree of life. He wanted everybody and still does. That's what John's, I mean, um, John 3.16 is about, that anybody who chooses Yeshua will not perish but receive eternal life. It's open to everyone. But the tree of knowledge was a law was to prevent them from hiding in shame and fear because they did something wrong. He wanted them to grow up learning from him as we want our children. We give children commandment. Don't touch the fire. Don't cross the street. Don't do this. Go to your room. Don't do this. If you're not going to live under my roof. That's what God's did. He gave us a family so we can understand what it's like to be him and to deal with us. It's an exact parallel that we have family. And that's why Yeshua, was, he's called the father. And Yeshua's called the son. He's making a family. So the last slide is parent and children and parents' generation. When God gave us the prayers that we say, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And then in the bottom, it says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your heart. We all said this today. Impress them on your children. Talk with them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hand and bind them to your foreheads. Write them on the doorposts of your houses and on your gates. God gave us these laws for us to be able to teach our children what he wants to teach us. So we grow up in moral and in the laws, but we can't be perfect. We can't obey all the laws. So he gave us Yeshua to give us that one-time sacrifice for all the sins, that those of us who choose him will be blessed with eternal life with him. In Revelation 22, blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life,
and may enter through the gates into the city. That's what the Bible talks about. God gave us the tree of life in the beginning. We lost it through sin. And the whole rest of the Bible is to get us back to that tree of life where we could eat of that. And the only way to do that was for God to die for us, to show his love to us that come back and confess our sins and be free. So when we get to heaven, God completely wipes away any ability to sin. He changes us because you gave him permission as a believer. And that's what we do when we give you shoe. We say, not me, but you rule me. And that's why the onus is on him to be holy and not you. He doesn't see us as sinners anymore. He sees us as the righteousness of Messiah. So that is what I had for us today. And I hope that our brothers and sisters will see that God wants us all to be part of his family. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah or how you can become part of our Bethlehem family, please visit our website at www.bethlehem.org. That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L dot O-R-G. Or call 770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services, Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and shalom. Nine, 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 nine.